And now, America's number one show on pop culture and politics. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day, another great week, in fact, in this greatest nation on God's green earth. And what a <laughs> an interesting beginning for the new Republican Congress of the United States. Yeah, they all got sworn in. The Republicans now have a commanding uh, four-vote majority, actually five-vote majority, because there's a Democrat who died, McAken, in Virginia, and his position has to be filled in a special election coming up. But uh, everybody knew that Kevin McCarthy wanted to be speaker, and in order to be speaker, he could afford to lose a few Republican votes, four, uh, but he lost on the first ballot 19. And uh, the second ballot is taking place right now. And it's not close because he didn't lose four votes or five votes or the kind of uh, number of Republican votes that he would lose so that he could become speaker. He's already lost 18 and uh, that means that they are going to have to go to a third ballot. How long will this go? Well, my favorite election for Speaker of the House, which was actually very significant in American history, was in 1855. That's a long time ago. It's, yes, part of the run-up to the Civil War. And here's the interesting thing. Most people don't remember this, but it's crucial. was 1854 was the year that the Republican Party was invented. And it was invented in a freezing schoolroom up in Wisconsin in the middle of the woods on the edge of the frontier. And they got together to try to build a party with conscience. And then they competed in the congressional election. And believe it or not, they elected this first-time party, elected 103 members of the House, they had more than the Democrats. They had more than the so-called know-nothing or American party, the anti-immigrant party. And because there were three major parties, the know-nothings had 43 votes. And then there were a few other third, fourth parties. It took two months, really two months, 133 ballots before they elected a speaker who was actually a member originally of the Know Nothing Party, but part of what he agreed to do was to switch over to the Republicans, and so the Republicans took control of the House, and this is literally within months of inventing that political party. It was a, a remarkable showing of strength for the Republican Party, which uh, five years later elected Abraham Lincoln as president. But we can leave that aside for a moment. What's happened here is that the first vote on Speaker of the House, and by the way, what's interesting about this is they can elect anybody. Uh, it doesn't have to be a member of the House. And there have been all kinds of interesting suggestions. Of course, part of the plot for reinstalling Trump as president was they were going to have such a strong Republican majority in the House that they were going to uh, go ahead and elect Trump as Speaker, which they could. He's eligible. There's nothing that disqualifies him. I mean, you could say he's disqualified by his record in dealing with the House, which impeached him twice. Well, he could get revenge as Speaker. And then if, if he is Speaker of the House and he leads the House in impeaching 
both Biden and Harris, he becomes president again. That's the sort of uh, Trumpian fantasy that has been kicking around for months. Trump's been very quiet with all of this because it's such a sticky, messy, awful thing. There's a piece in uh, National Review that uh, talks about what is the point of the GOP infighting over the next speaker. Well, the point is to try to make the GOP look as bad as possible uh, and why it would be that Republicans would be eager to do that. For goodness sake, I mean, I I'm not a tremendous fan of Kevin McCarthy, but compared to the alternatives here, what's going on now is that the they had the first vote. And the first vote went like this. I'll give you the exact numbers. They had uh, the leading candidate for Speaker of House was Hakeem Jeffries, the congressman from Brooklyn, the uh, young, uh, new Democratic face of the House of Representatives. Uh, and he got 212 votes. You need 218 to be installed as the new Speaker of the House. McCarthy got only 203. So he was nine votes behind Hakeem Jeffries, the Democrat. And then Andy Biggs, the congressman from, Car uh, from uh, Arizona, who had been raising money on the prospect of him working as speaker, I got deluged by all kinds of emails, uh, contribute money. And, and again, what is he going to use the money for to bribe other members of Congress? I mean... Seriously, these are your colleagues. They judge you. And anyway, Andy Biggs got 10 votes. Jim Jordan, who at one time had been a rival years ago for House leadership with, uh, with uh, Kevin McCarthy, got six votes in this first round. And uh, then Jim Banks of Indiana got one vote. Uh, Lee Zeldin of New York got one vote. And Byron Donalds, who is one of the very few African-Americans who is part of the Republican caucus in Congress, he got one vote. So it, you basically had Kevin McCarthy being a full 15 votes shy of what he would need to get himself elected as speaker. And he didn't come any closer in this um, most recent round. We're now in the second round. And what's happened is the people who had voted for Biggs before or voted for Zeldin or Donalds, or, uh, they all went over to Jim Jordan. And why did they? Because Jim Jordan was very effective today. After the first vote where Kevin McCarthy was frustrated and where for the first time in over 100 years, they were going back to a second round of voting for the speaker's position, uh, Jim Jordan got up to renominate Kevin McCarthy because the chair says, okay, are there any nominations? And uh, there was a nomination repeated uh, by uh, uh, Pete Aguilar of California, Democrat, for Hakeem Jeffries. And uh, there was Jim Jordan uh, announcing his support for uh, Kevin McCarthy. Uh, listen. Uh, thank you, Madam Clerk. Um, I think we have three objectives this Congress, three fundamental things we have to get done in the 118th Congress. First, pass the bills that fix the problems. In two years' time, 
We have went. We, we have a border that is no longer a border. We have a military that can't meet its recruitment goals. We have bad energy policy, bad education policy, record spending, record inflation, record debt, and a government that has been weaponized against we the people, against the very people we represent. So we, we need to pass legislation to address all that. And I hope my Democrat colleagues will join me. I really do. But I have my doubts. And if they don't, and if Chuck Schumer says, no, we're not going to take up that legislation that we pass, and if Joe Biden won't sign it, so be it. They'll have to, they'll have to answer to the people in 2024. Second, second, we can never, ever let a bill like the one that passed 12 days ago, $1.7 trillion spent, we can never, ever let that kind of legislation pass again. Okay, uh, he spoke very well. And that led to a uh, uh, another nomination, a uh, nomination for Hakeem Jeffries, the Democratic leader, nomination for Kevin McCarthy, the Republican leader, and then a surprise nomination from the always surprising Matt Gates. Did he nominate Donald Trump? He could have. Could he nominate uh, Mike Pence? That would have been a good idea, uh, but uh, probably not viable. So who do you nominate? We'll tell you coming up on the Medved Show. This is going to be a little bit provocative. The Michael Medved Show. 1-800-955-17. And on the Michael Medved Show, uh, they are now definitely moving on to a third ballot. Uh, this is extraordinary. It is, again, the first time in a century we've had that situation. I, I mentioned before the Speaker's election in 1855, right after the election of 1854, the founding election for the Republican Party, where the Republicans actually ended up winning. And it was very important for the development of the two-party system and for the Republicans definitively replacing the Whigs who had fallen apart. But we don't have to look to see history being made back in 1855. It's being made right now in 2023. See, I remembered. It's a new year. It is a new year, and they're going to be voting again for a third time. The um, I mentioned that Matt Gates, who is honest to goodness, I, I've had the opportunity to talk to some members of Congress of both parties. Matt Gates is is one of the least popular members of Congress. He has ethical problems that are being investigated even now by the Ethics Committee. He uh, the ethical problems involve underage young women and crossing state lines and and many many other things. But Matt Gates uh, actually made a a good play after Jim Jordan delivered a very effective short speech, very hard-hitting, emotional. Uh, he's a, a very good communicator, and he did a good job with it. But right after that, uh, Matt Gates stood up and uh, nominated somebody for speaker who hadn't been nominated before. Who was it? Listen. Well, sometimes we have to do jobs that we don't really want to do. And sometimes we have to do jobs that we are called to do. And so, my colleagues, I rise to nominate 
the most talented, hardest-working member of the Republican conference who just gave a speech with more vision than we have ever heard from the alternative, I'm nominating Jim Jordan. Jim Jordan is humble, perhaps today humble to a fault, maybe the right person for the job of Speaker of the House isn't someone who wants it so bad. Maybe the right person for the job of Speaker of the House isn't someone who has sold shares of themselves for more than a decade to get it. Maybe Jim Jordan is the right person for Speaker of the House because he is not beholden to the lobbyists and special interests who have corrupted this place and corrupted this nation under the leadership of both Republicans and Democrats. Maybe Jim Jordan would be the right person for Speaker of the House because he wouldn't fight us when we try to get a term limits bill on the floor. Maybe Jim Jordan would be the right person because he wouldn't fight us when we try to put a balanced budget on the floor and vote for it. And maybe Jim Jordan is the right person because he would endorse the plan that was built by the Texas delegation to finally secure our border. Mr. Jordan said in his nomination that there are certain bills that we have to pass to fix the problem. The challenge is the alternative has been someone voting for the very bills that have caused these problems. Mr. Jordan says that we cannot accept legislation like the omnibus, and I fully agree. And if Jim Jordan were Speaker of the House, if he were the leader of the Republican team, we wouldn't have that circumstance choking the economy of our country, increasing inflation, and diminishing the prospects of a better life for our fellow Americans. And finally, Mr. Jordan said we must engage in rigorous oversight. Every one of my Republican colleagues knows that the person who can lead that oversight effort, who works on it every day, who has the skill and the talent and the will, is Jim Jordan. I'm nominating him, and I'm voting for him. Well, he did, and uh, so did 18 others. Uh, there were 19 McCarthy defectors on the Republican side. Now, remember, the Republican margin is extraordinarily narrow. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's a very, very small edge they have over Democrats. And the first round of voting, 19 Republicans voted for somebody else not named uh, Kevin McCarthy. And... This second round, 19 Kevin McCarthy defectors defected again, but this time, instead of voting for a bunch of uh, uh, varied candidates, they all voted for Jim Jordan. Now, uh, what does this mean? What is the significance? It's, it's interesting. The New York Times this morning uh, did a uh, list of the people who were waiting in the wings if favorites bid falters. In other words, uh, and one of the people the, that they mentioned second was uh, Jim Jordan of Ohio. And what they said is Mr. Jordan, the founder of the Freedom Caucus, helped upend Mr. McCarthy's last bid to become speaker in 2015, which is when actually uh, Paul Ryan became speaker. He continued to be an irritant to the California Republican Kevin McCarthy when he challenged Mr. McCarthy unsuccessfully for the top leadership position in 2018. That was not for speaker. That was for minority leader. Well, now they're a majority. They've been able to start acting like it. But Mr. McCarthy worked to mend fences with Mr. Jordan when he paved the way for him to take the top seat on the Judiciary Committee and dispatched him as a pugilistic defender of Donald Trump during his impeachments. 
if uh, it is unclear whether the more moderate lawmakers in the party would back a bid by Mr. Jordan for speaker, but he has a number of disciples among the far-right group of lawmakers who have vowed to oppose Mr. McCarthy, uh, like Matt Gates. Uh, and, and by the way, um, one of the things that, that is deeply misleading about what Matt Gates said is Kevin McCarthy was not in favor of the omnibus bill. He was opposed to it. And most of the legislation, he led the Republican caucus in opposing legislation the Democrats passed because they had a majority. And because there were a few Republicans, not including Kevin McCarthy, who went in their direction. In other words, the idea that uh, if uh, Jim Jordan had been uh, Speaker of the House, well, if he'd been Speaker of the House, it would have meant the Republicans were in a majority, and sure, they could have blocked an omnibus bill. But given the fact that they were still a minority then, it just changed today. And what is this going to mean for the future of the Republican Party? This is... Uh, Another highlight from today, Pete Aguilar, who uh, was reprimanded, uh, reprimanded by the House clerk uh, when he uh, began his renomination of Hakeem Jeffries. And uh, then he got a bunch of jeers from Republicans. What did that sound like? We will play that for you. We're also going to be talking about a bunch of prominent journalists, most of them conservatives who have filed new reports saying that uh, 2022 wasn't such a bad year. It was in some ways a pretty great year and uh, saying we should expect good things in 2023. We'll be talking to Peter Coy of the New York Times about that and more. And also Kevin Williamson of National Review about the future of Republicans in the House not just who's going to be speaker, but what are they going to do about a problem named George Santos? That and more coming up on the Medved Show. You're listening to the mighty Michael Medved Show. in the American lexicon, strike three, you're out, right? Uh, they're about to do strike three with a third vote. Uh, again, in the last vote, Kevin McCarthy again fell short, well short of uh, actually getting the votes that he needed to be elected speaker. The first uh, round, he got two hundred and three votes, so he was 15 votes short, and uh, this time, I think he got 203 votes again, uh, because nobody seems to be backing down from uh, his position. After McCarthy uh, patted Jim Jordan on the back, Jim Jordan made a, a strong speech talking about what the Republicans have to do, and the three things they have to do, and his belief that Kevin McCarthy was the person who could do that. Well, that was when Pete Aguilar of California, the Democrat, stood up to nominate uh, Hakeem Jeffries again. And again, Hakeem Jeffries in this last vote got 
212 votes. He got nine more votes than Kevin McCarthy, despite the fact that it's supposed to be a Republican majority, right? Remember that in the House that uh, uh, the Republican Party spent about $3 billion on getting that House majority, but it's not working very well right now. Pete Aguilar stepped up and uh, instead of going forward and saying, I nominate Hakeem Jeffries, the pride of Brooklyn, and one of the things he talked about in his previous speech was what a strong Yankees fan uh, Hakeem was. In any event, here's what Pete Aguilar sounded like with the House clerk reprimanding him and then the reaction of the Republican fellow members. Listen. History here today. I wasn't for half of that. I wasn't quite sure who the gentleman from Ohio was nominating. He was nominating himself. And is the gentleman rising to place a name and nomination? I am. I, I am, Madam Clerk. I am. I'd just like to be afforded the, the same opportunity that the gentleman from Ohio took, Madam Clerk. Consider, consider all that's happened. The last time an election for speaker went to a second ballot. Leader Jeffrey's beloved New York Yankees had not yet won a World Series. Consider all that's happened since then. The work that the body has entertained, the work that we've done for the people over that time. We are unified behind a speaker who will continue that progress despite the chaos on the other side, Madam Clerk. We are going to stay here to get this done. We are unified and we are all going to support Hakeem Jeffries for speaker. The lead vote getter, the lead vote getter in the last ballot. And again, in the previous ballot that he was alluding to, uh, Jeffries had gotten 212 votes uh, compared to McCarthy's 203. In other words, if they made some kind of devil's bargain uh, with uh, six Republicans, six out of the 222 Republicans who were there in the House, if they got six of them to go ahead and vote for Hakeem Jeffries, they could install a Democratic speaker, and he would have all the powers of speaker with, uh, that come with it. Do I think that there's any Republican who's willing to ruin his political career by going over to the Democrats on this one? No. But uh, it is worth thinking about some of the, the potential plays that people could make in this really very, very unusual situation. There was a piece that appeared that was filed by William Cohen. If you remember him, he was Secretary of Defense. He uh, was a, uh, a member of Congress from Maine and a very successful, well-respected member of Congress. In any event, he now works at think tanks and he writes novels. And He's an interesting guy, but he, he put a piece in... Uh, the paper where he reminded everybody that you do not have to be a member of the House to be Speaker of the House. Now, we haven't elected a non-member of the House to be Speaker, not ever, but they could do it this time. And as I mentioned, there was all this talk about uh, doing it in behalf of uh, Donald Trump. He, he could be elected Speaker of the House, which would put him third in line to the presidency, where if you get rid through impeachment of the president and the vice president, boom, then Speaker Trump is president or Speaker McCarthy or Speaker Jeffries or Speaker... Okay, William Cohen 
had the idea that the Republicans should go ahead and install John Kasich as speaker or Larry Hogan. Now, the the idea about Larry Hogan, Larry Hogan, the governor of Maryland, uh, it, it could not possibly win a majority of even the Republicans in the House. But for William Cohn, he said it doesn't matter. He'd get a lot of Democrats, and they could have kind of a compromise up the middle. It's That's not going to work. What, what could work, and by the way, for John Kasich, who supported um, – uh, Joe Biden and uh, actually spoke at the Democratic Convention in 2020. He's not going to be elected speaker, even though he was a very distinguished member of the House of Representatives. He would get very few Republican votes. He might get some Democratic votes. The interesting play, it seemed to me, uh, and nobody I think has mentioned this before, but uh, I've actually been thinking about it more and more. If the Republicans came forward and suggested Mike Pence, who was a member of the House, I think he served six terms in the House. He was a a committee chair. He was a very widely respected member of the House. He certainly was a loyal member of the Trump administration, who more than any other one, any other member of the Trump administration, actually behaved proudly and patriotically on on January 6th, and everybody knows that. Uh, And Mike Pence, in terms of his conservative bona fides, being pro-life and pro-gun and and pro-border security and and basically being a very mainstream Republican with a, a great deal of popular respect. Now, Donald J. Trump might not like Mike Pence being elected as Speaker, but I would imagine that there would be enough Democrats because it doesn't have to be many. If there are five or six, that covers you. If you get most of the Republicans to get behind a Vice President Pence. And again, given the chaos that's going on right now, it seems to me that this is one possible way out of this jam. There's another way out of this jam. And I'll say it. Uh, I don't think it will happen, but it could happen which is that Donald J. Trump has been very quiet during this entire period. And if he came out and said, hey, guys, I've worked with Kevin McCarthy. I support Kevin McCarthy. We want all of my loyal supporters. It's time for Republicans to come together. Let's all come together and back Kevin McCarthy for speaker in uh, 2023. And, of course, Donald Trump for president in 2024, uh, Trump would help himself a lot. He would look like a, uh, dare I say it, presidential candidate, somebody who actually had the good of the party and the good of the country at heart. Now, uh, could he do that without coming to Washington? Sure. Uh, Just say he has an important announcement to make and make an announcement in front of Mar-a-Lago. And uh, he would not only have the eternal gratitude of Kevin McCarthy, but uh, he could actually help a campaign that has been going nowhere and has been faltering. And it, it, it's really a way of changing his public image and making him look like, for a day at least, a unifying force. So why not? 
1-800-955-1776. We'll be right back. I'll keep you in suspense. On The Michael Medved Show. Michael Medved show. Uh, so, uh, are we going to get some big announcement from Mar-a-Lago? Uh, it seems to me probably unlikely, but I don't see why. G- given the fact that, look, it one way or another, it uh, seems to me that they are going to install Kevin McCarthy as the next Speaker of the House. The um, the only real possibility at this point that it could go differently would be if some Democrats came forward and said, you know what, uh, we, we have worked for a long time with Steve Scalise, who is the whip in the House, who is the closest associate of Kevin McCarthy. And he has said time and time again he doesn't want to be Speaker. He wants to be uh, majority leader and to help Kevin McCarthy. And if, uh, if he varied on that and he came forward, and by the way, they have very similar uh, voting records, lifetime voting records. According to the American Conservative Union, uh, Kevin McCarthy, since he's been in Congress, has voted 84% of the time on the Republican side. Steve Scalise has voted 92% on the Republican side. So these are very conservative, deeply conservative. Steve Scalise from Louisiana, you may remember when there was that horrible shooting of the Republican baseball team uh, that trains for their annual game against the Democrats, and which is a kind of a popular event and a nice bond-building event. I mean, you figure playing baseball with people... Uh, you may be less likely to want to kill them. Um, the uh, Steve Scalise actually was severely wounded and came close to death uh, and has recovered nobly and gamely. And he is um, he is one of those people who does not have an edge. And, and if you talk to members of Congress, again, it, it, people almost universally respect Congressman Scalise, and even if they have big ideological dis- disagreements. So uh, somebody they, they don't particularly respect is Lauren Boebert, who won by the smallest margin. I think it was 200 votes that she ended up winning after a recount in Colorado in her seat. Uh, she was um, uh, speaking to the news earlier today they had had a meeting this morning, and obviously Kevin McCarthy was not in a good mood because, yeah, he's um, a pro. He can count votes, and he knew he was going to have a problem this morning, and apparently he used um, – well, he was expressing what a lot of people feel about Matt Gates, and uh, he apparently expressed that, and it was with a series of four-letter words. It was not nice. 
And uh, here is the way that Lauren Boebert responded to that. She's one of those members of Congress who in both votes, uh, she voted for, I think, Andy Biggs the first time, who has basically withdrawn as a candidate after raising money on it. And uh, she voted this last time for Jim Jordan. Here is uh, what she had to say just a couple of hours ago. Listen. And so now here we are being sworn at instead of being sworn in. And we could have had this solved months ago. I have been working every day to unify the Republican Party for the American people. And yesterday we had a deal that was not a selfish deal in any way for Kevin McCarthy to get him the gavel on the first ballot. And he eagerly dismissed us. Okay, basically, what the deal involved, apparently, according to most reports, was uh, giving privileged committee positions to some of these people who have been opposing McCarthy, which he is not likely to do uh, because the uh, committee positions, remember, Marjorie Taylor Greene, because some of her uh, racist and pro-QAnon and anti-Semitic Uh, tweets and comments she was taken away from her committees it was for instance she's by the way been pretty loyal in supporting Kevin McCarthy but uh, here's what Kevin McCarthy himself said last night on Fox News uh, talking about what has been a a rough day for him and they're about to uh, officially declare that they still have no speaker, no white smoke coming up from the Capitol building. They have n- no uh, speaker and with a third vote pending. Here was Kevin McCarthy last night on Fox. I think we all come together. We made great progress today. We've been working on the rules. I think everyone will get there at the end of the day. But we have to. If we want to save the American public, we're the only ones in the forefront to stop these Democrat liberal policies. Think about it. In the four years that I've been leader, we've won every cycle. But we've won while the other Republicans, the governors, the senators, they've lost. So uh, we need to be able to come together strong to stop what the Democrats are doing, but actually put the country in a new path, in a new place. Get some prosperity moving, get our economy moving in, get our borders secure, and also bring that accountability back to Washington we all crave so deeply about. Okay, uh, that was Kevin McCarthy. And Nancy Mace, who uh, is a congress lady from South Carolina, uh, she she's a strong supporter of McCarthy, and uh, I think she should be taken seriously. Here is what she had to say. Clip one. Any delay in electing the Speaker of the House is going to delay the Republican agenda. Um, We are already behind. We're probably a month behind, at least 30 days, in determining the chairman of our committee, determining the number of seats each Republican will have on their committees to deliver on the promises that we made when we were campaigning. The vast majority of the Republican conference support Kevin McCarthy. We had this voting conference. We talked about the rules uh, and what we wanted to do as a conference, and we all voted on this. Um, so I think it's very unfair, and we're not all going to agree 100% of the things. I do sympathize with the issues of the House Freedom Caucus, just like I sympathize on the issues that centrists most care about. But the reason that Kevin McCarthy is a leader of the conference right now is he understands how he understood how to get us into the majority. He supported candidates like me that have represented swing districts and purple districts and understand what it took to win to get us here. It was not the vast majority that we wanted. 
but the country, if you look at it, about 80% of Americans are somewhere in the middle. And he sort of, he understood that, and that's why we're in this position today. I'm going to support him. The vast majority of the conference is going to support him, and that's whether it's the first ballot or the 10th ballot, he's going to have that support. I just hope it doesn't take more than a few hours or a few ballots, because we have a strong conservative agenda to help the American people, and that's what we've got to deliver on um, it, very soon, sooner rather than later. Uh, that's Nancy Mace of South Carolina, who, by the way, is a rising star for the Republican Party, uh, precisely because of what you just heard. Somebody who sounds reasonable and can keep uh, an eye on the prize. Uh, speaking of which, somebody else who has supported uh, Kevin McCarthy in uh, two consecutive votes is uh, George Santos, who, by the way, I mean, given some of the new revelations about the criminal proceedings that are going forward against him in Brazil, which is where he apparently committed the crimes involving a fraudulent checkbooks and uh, and crimes in which he participated with his mother, who he had said inaccurately was one of the first female top bank executives in the world. She never was a bank executive of any kind. Um, but in any event, we will get to that. We'll be talking to Kevin Williamson of National Review, who uh, has a piece uh, called The George Santos Defense. And uh, the subheading, Has Not Been Convicted of Felony Fraud, is a pretty low bar to clear. So what happens if if George Santos is approached uh, by by unscrupulous Democrats who want to make a deal with him, because again, if you look at this situation right now, it's um, uh, Hakeem Jeffries is six votes away from a majority. So if you pick up a few people with some ethical problems and you make some deals with them, uh, you think that. Uh, George Santos is such a committed ideological conservative that he wouldn't be open to that kind of thing. It's disgusting. It's embarrassing. But this situation right now is embarrassing. And uh, again, let us hope that by the end of this show today, on the first full workday for this brand new Congress, that they actually make some progress and welcome a speaker and welcome a conservative agenda that can actually do something to benefit this greatest nation on God's green earth.